Well, a quick, quick poll of the room here. How many of you have not yet put up your Christmas tree or decorations? Raise your hand. Okay, humbugs in the room, welcome. We are glad that you are here. Just kidding. Uh, how many of you, though, are Christmas fanatics? Like you have been listening to music for a month. You've been waiting for weeks to get decorations up. You are first cousins with Buddy the Elf. That is you right in the room. If Santa came out right now, you'd scream like a little girl. I know him, right? That would be... That would be you. Well, in my opinion, and if you wanna be right, you'll agree with me, the day, the day after Thanksgiving is the official start to the Christmas season. That's when it's acceptable to put up your Christmas decorations and start listening to music as you see around the building. It is the start of Christmas here at Element Church. And if you're new here, uh, we especially want to welcome you. My name's Jeff Manis, lead pastor here at Element Church. So thankful that you and everyone uh, who is here today has chosen to be with us, including those of you joining us on video. I want to make sure and say hello to you as well. I want to take a moment today on this last Sunday before our annual year-in offering next, next week called the So That Offering. I want to take a moment and just cast vision one more time for this giving opportunity here at our church. Like our weekly offering, if you're new, please don't feel like this has to be something you're a part of. It is for those of us who call Element Church our home. John 3.16 tells us that God loved the world so much he gave his only son so that anyone who believes in him can experience eternal life. And that really is one of the reasons why we give as well. Because we love God, we give to his work so that more and more people can experience life in Christ through his church. And the, the so that offering uh, is above and beyond our regular giving. You might call it a sacrificial gift. And all of the proceeds are going to go towards funding the 2018 I Heart Wyoming Initiative. And then $5,000 of that, so technically not, not all of it, but $5,000 were giving to the local Salvation Army to help get their food bank stock back up. They're pretty empty right now. And so we're going to give that to the Salvation Army. In 2017, through the So That Offering, we were able to partner with 14 different churches, 10 different counties around the state, uh, financially resourcing them with $100,000 collectively to serve their communities in tangible ways. And uh, we're going to continue that 2018. Our prayer is to partner with 20 churches, which means we believe the, the giving amount needs to go up. And so we're praying for $250,000 to be given through the So That offering next Sunday, and then it's, it's open through the end of the year. I believe for that amount to be reached, God's going to need to move on some people's heart. Not everyone has this ability, but some people do, to give $25,000, $50,000, even $100,000 towards the So That offering. I fully believe God can do that and is able to do that. And uh, as I Heart Wyoming continues to expand, I want you to know this, that our long-term vision for this is not not just to partner with churches, but as this expands, our desire, our heart is to be able to plant churches as God leads or produce video locations of Element Church as God opens the door as well. So on this last Sunday before we kind of officially receive the offering uh, next week, I just want to challenge us with what I've challenged us with every week leading up to this uh, to simply pray. So all I'm asking, pray, God, what do you want to give through me? 
And I believe if you ask God that question, he'll give you the answer and then be faithful to give as God directs you to give. No one person can do everything, but we can all do something. And if we all do something, we'll end up accomplishing everything. And so I just ask you to be a part of that. You can already give. In fact, my wife and I, we gave our gift already over the weekend uh, on, on the mobile giving option. Just make sure you select so that offering online mobile giving here in the service. If you use cash or check, just mark that on your envelope or your, or your check and uh, we'll make sure it gets to the so that offering. And then at the, after the, the new year is here, we'll announce uh, kind of where we landed with that. Today, we're starting our Christmas sermon series that will take us all the way through our Christmas Eve services, all five of them. Uh, we're calling the series Silent Night. And ironically, this whole series was born in my heart while we were in the town of Bethlehem, the literal birthplace of Jesus, when my wife and I were able to tour the, uh, the Holy Land, Israel, this last summer. And side note here, uh, Pastor Andy is leading a trip to Israel in June of 2018. So if you would like to to go on a tour of Israel. Pastor Andy's leading that trip. Uh, there's information at the Next Steps wall. The $500 deposit is due on December 15th. So this is your final warning if you want to go on that trip to get your deposit in. It will, it will change your life. It'll blow your minds. Absolutely amazing. But that's side note coming up here. Um, I had built Bethlehem up uh, as something in my mind that I did not experience. I envisioned it being something you would see on a Christmas card or in a movie or something like that. So disappointment would be an understatement uh, on our visit to Bethlehem, not just because it didn't look like a Christmas card, but because it goes so much deeper than that. So let me set this up for you. This is kind of the intro to our whole series. While we were on our trip to Israel, a shooting took place on Temple Mount in Jerusalem where two Israeli soldiers were killed by gunmen who were of Palestinian descent and Palestinian allegiance. So that was on our minds as we were going to Bethlehem because I didn't know this before our trip, but Bethlehem's not even in Israel now. It's under Palestinian control. So when we crossed from Israel into Palestine, there was a sign at the gate, which was guarded by armed soldiers that warned all Israeli citizens that it was illegal for them to enter Palestine. It was enter at your own risk type sign with all these warnings on it. That law is based on the extreme hatred and uh, racism that exists between the Muslim and Jewish world there in that region. As we drove into the town, the modern day town of Bethlehem, you could literally feel the oppression. You could feel the, the burden. We went to the Church of the Nativity, which is a massive cathedral built hundreds of years ago that uh, sits on top of or over the caves where they believe Jesus would have been born. So we go into the cathedral and we learned that this cathedral was controlled by two different religions. So you had the Greek Orthodox Church and the Russian Orthodox Church. They both stake claim to the building. They don't share it willingly, but they do share it. So they each had their own different worship times and they actually each had their both entrance into the caves where Jesus was born. And if you were Greek Orthodox, you could not use the Russian Orthodox entrance to the cave where Jesus was born. Sounds like what Jesus would want, right? Unity in his church. So we go down into the cave and I was heartbroken. Like I was so let down by this moment because the birthplace of Jesus had been turned into a shrine. 
Like you couldn't even tell it was a cave. The, the walls, the floors of the cave were lined with, with candles and beads and, and ornaments. At the place where it's believed Jesus could have been laid, could have been, not, you know, we don't know for sure, but on that place where they believe he could have been laid, people were literally bowing on the ground, kissing the ground, leaving money, rubbing personal objects on it to try to get the blessing of the birth of Jesus onto onto their life. I noticed as we were going through the cave, there was a priest uh, from, I don't know what religion he represented, so it's a priest of some other religion, he was wearing a a collar, uh, was leading a tour in front of us, and he was standing near the exit of of the cave uh, with his hands out like this. In one hand, he was collecting money, and the other hand, he had this paper with people putting paper in his hand with words on it. So I asked our tour guy, what was going on with that tour with that priest? And he said, well, In one hand, they were leaving prayer requests. In the other hand, they were leaving money. And the belief is the more money you gave the priest, the more likely he would be to lift up your request to God. Now, the comic in me thought, new way to do the sow that offering. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Bring a little relief to the room here. But the pastor in me was furious. I was just furious, like how corrupt is this? Like, this is what we've done with the birthplace of Jesus? So we go out of the the church and we kind of start walking towards our bus. And as we were walking towards the bus through the town of Bethlehem, I refused to buy a trinket from a guy who was selling things on the street. That didn't sit well with him. And so he got right up in my face started accusing me of not caring for him, not caring for his family or his children. Then he started to make threats toward me and he moved into yelling at me, we hate white people, we hate white people, just over and over and over again. Now I was a little, you know, I was a little terrified to be honest. Um, But then in this weird twist, I don't know why he changed to say this thing. I don't know why why he thought saying this next thing will convince me to buy a trinket from him. But he went from yelling, we hate white people, to saying this. Um, This is, that's my wife. This is what happened. We want Obama back. (laughs) I felt like saying, so does half our country. So (laughs) nothing new. So we experienced that. Then we get on our bus, we drive out to the fields outside of Bethlehem. They're called the Fields of the Shepherds. We went down into another cave, and this was one of several fields, many caves in the area, where the shepherds could have been when the angels appeared to them to announce the arrival of Jesus. We went down into the cave. Our tour guide handed each of us a candle, and then he said this. This is where, this is like where it's kind of all kind of come together. He said, we've seen the worst of our world today. We've we've seen violence on Temple Mount. We've experienced racism, hatred, division, corruption. We've seen oppression. We have felt the burden. And he said, I know it's July, but I want us to sing a song that I think represents what all of us are praying for, what all of us long to have. I want us to sing in this cave, Silent Night. He said, we're all praying for peace. We're all hoping for peace. And here we are in a cave below the ground and above us in the world is anything but peace. But right here in this cave is absolute peace. We lit our candles, we sang Silent Night and I was so moved. 
and so encouraged by the presence of the Spirit in that cave. And this sermon series then was born. So outside of us, there can be violence and racism and hatred and division and corruption and oppression and heavy burdens. But inside of us, like in that cave, we can have peace. We all long for peace. We long for a silent night. But silent is the last word many of us would use for our lives today. It really is. Many times we are busy, overwhelmed, unprepared, and afraid, or simply we are tired. <laughs> We're tired. In a recent survey of employees in America, it showed that 76% of workers in America feel tired most days of the week. The biggest things weighing people down, this survey revealed, was not just lack of sleep. It was worry, stress, physical discomfort, too much on the mind, or what they called environmental disruptors, such as violence, oppression, racism, division, heavy burdens. I heard a character on a TV show recently say this. He said, I'm tired, but it's a tired I can't just sleep away. And I think that probably describes many people in our world today. In fact, if I were to pull the room right now, I would venture to guess that lots and lots of us would say the same thing about our lives. I'm tired, but it's not a tired I can sleep away. I'm overwhelmed by the burdens of this life. Like the pallets all around the room here that we used for our set design, we feel like we have carried a heavy load and now we are weak and tired and worn down and beat up. And all of us, all of us face this eventually, right? Whether they are burdens of our own making or burdens outside of our control, all of us face seasons where we are weary and heavy burdened. So now that I've brought the room down, here's the good news. Part of the gift of Christmas is Jesus offers a solution to our burdens, amen? He offers a solution. Now, the solution may not be what we think. There are some people, might be some people who are here today. And if you're here today and you are like this, man, I'm thrilled that you are here. There are some people, you don't believe in God because you've been told that if you believe, Jesus will make everything great in your life. And then you or someone that you love tried believing, but you still experience unbearable burdens in this life. So here's the reality. It's our big idea for today. If you want to write it down, it'll be on the screens as well. And it's this. Jesus never offered us a burden-free life. But he does have an offer for the burdens of our life. Never offered us a burden-free life. He didn't. But he does have an offer for our burdens that we carry in this life. So if he does have an offer for our burdens, we have to ask this big question. What does Jesus offer for my burdens. What does Jesus offer for my burdens? Main scripture, Matthew 11, 
verses 28 through 30. You can follow along in your own Bible or on the screens. Matthew is the first Bible, a first book of the New Testament portion of the Bible. If you don't own one, we'll give you one for free at guest services. Ask for a Bible there. We're going to read all the verses here, and then we're going to look at them individually as we see three things that Jesus has to offer from this text. Matthew 11, 28 through 30 says this. Then Jesus said, come to me all. Everyone help me out and say all. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I already feel encouraged today. What does Jesus offer for our burdens? The first one's the most important one, I believe, and it may not be what you think. It's incredibly simple but it's incredibly profound, okay? What does Jesus offer? Number one is this, he offers himself. <laughs> he offers himself. If we look at verse 28 again, we'll see three key words that drive everything Jesus is offering. So let's read it again, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Why? Because I will give you rest. So me, all, and I are the key words in verse 28. Jesus is telling us, I alone am able to give you what no one and nothing else can, rest for your souls. Rest from the burden of sin and rest from the fruitless toil of the sorrows in this life. So simple, yet so profound. Now there are some people who would say that Jesus was specifically and only speaking to people who felt like they were burdened by the religious demands of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the Jewish leaders who held everyone to the strictest standard of following all 613 Old Testament laws to the letter. And if you did not follow those laws to the letter, you were mocked, ridiculed, even expelled from the temple. 613 laws. So Jesus was definitely including those people that were burdened by that in his offer here, but it's so far beyond that. One of the commentators I read said, Jesus didn't define what burdens he was talking about so that all burdens could be expressed here. That the, the whole point of this first statement from Jesus is not what we are burdened from, but where we can find rest. And rest is only found in Jesus and it's available to all who come to him. It's important to note that Jesus did not say he gives rest to all who are weary and heavy burdened. He said he gives rest to all who are burdened and come to him. That he is the answer for our rest. Come to me, Jesus says. Come to me. Everything else is secondary. Isaiah 30, 15 is a verse that convicts me and challenges me every time I read it. It says this, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength, but you would have none of it. Wow. 
It's only in me that you find rest. But you don't even want it. You don't want to come to me. You want me to do everything that you ask. So Jesus never offered us a burden-free life. But he does have an offer for the burdens of this life. What does Jesus offer for our burdens? He offers himself. And I could end the message there, but you're not that lucky. Because <laughs> we're going to continue. Second thing Jesus offers is this. He offers help. Amen? That in himself, he offers help. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Again, let's read it again. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. So the word yoke we're going to focus on here has two different meanings that we need to talk about. So physically, I think you might know what a yoke is. A yoke was used to harness animals together to carry or pull a heavy load. So I got a picture of a yoke here. So this might be what the kind of yoke that Jesus was referencing. Uh, maybe it's something you'd see in, in first century Israel that you would harness an animal to a load. I didn't have a yoke. Uh, so in Wyoming, I found the next best thing. I found a harness. And so if you want a picture of your pastor in a harness, now is your chance. I think it goes on this way. I'm going to put this on. It's going to be awkward and uncomfortable, but I think that's kind of the point, right? So, okay. So the imagery is, the imagery is I've been harnessed to the burdens of this life. And Jesus said, if that's you, if you're, if you're harnessed to the burdens of this life, if you're weak and tired and worn out and overwhelmed, if that's you, then, then come to me, cross representing Jesus, and I will give you rest. Which, this is awesome, by the way, not to have a load on my shoulders, right? Because that's how we typically view that verse. But I don't think that's what Jesus was suggesting, by the way. I, I don't think Jesus was suggesting, I'm not going to put it all the way back on because it's too hard, but I don't think Jesus was saying, if you're carrying a heavy load, come to me and you will be yoke-less. It's not the idea of having a load and then being load or yoke-less. The idea is I'm carrying a heavy load and I trade my yoke for the yoke of Christ. This one's smaller. And I put on the yoke of Jesus. Now this seems counterintuitive, does it not? Like I'm going to take one yoke and put on another one? I was already carrying a yoke. Why do I need another one? But here's the thing. This is so huge, okay? It's only in having the yoke of Christ on my shoulders that I truly find rest in my soul. Because, let me take this off. Because. Rest is not found in ceasing. It's not found in the ceasing of my work. It's not found in the ceasing of my problems. Rest is not found in ceasing. Rest is found in surrender. When I surrender the yoke I've been carrying and take on the yoke of Christ. Now here's the second meaning of the word yoke that's important to this discussion. The word yoke is not only a physical illustration, it's a spiritual meaning as well. That in the Jewish context in which Jesus was teaching, the word yoke was used to describe the teaching of a rabbi or religious leader. 
So people would say, I have taken on the yoke or the teaching of, of Rabbi John or Rabbi Joshua or Rabbi whatever their name is. I've taken on their yoke. I've taken on their teaching. So Jesus is telling us, if you want to find rest, then take my yoke. Take my teaching, take my ways upon you, and I will help you carry the load. Which, by the way, that was one of the biggest judgments of Jesus towards the Pharisees, that they wouldn't help people carry the load. Matthew 23, verse 4, speaking about the Pharisees, Jesus said, they crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Can I, can I tell you something? Jesus didn't lift a finger either. Jesus was lifted up on the cross. Then he conquered death, hell, and the grave, and he inspired the Apostle Paul to write these words in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. It's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. That the same power that conquered the grave is available to help us carry the load today. But I got to surrender my yoke for the yoke of Christ. Jesus never offered us a burden-free life, but he does have an offer for the burdens in this life. So what does he offer? Well, he offers himself. Come to me, he said, if you're weary and heavy burden. If you come to me, I will help you. Take my yoke upon you and you'll find rest for your souls. Which, by the way, important to note the word souls there. That's what Jesus can offer that no one and nothing else can. Like the cave in Bethlehem. While our surroundings might be out of control, our souls can have rest. It's good. While our bodies and our minds might be overwhelmed, our souls and our spirits can have rest. We can just be at rest. He offers himself. He offers help. It leads right into this last thing. If he offers himself and offers help, this last one makes sense. He also offers hope. Amen? Church, there's hope in the name of Jesus. Matthew 11 Verse 30, reading it again, Jesus ends this thing by saying, for my yoke's easy to bear, and the burden I give you is what? It's light. Whew. Isn't that refreshing? Interesting here, the Greek word for light, it actually, it has a wider range of meaning than just weighing less. Super cool in, in learning this as I was starting for this message. I mean, if, if, if that was all it was, was weighing less, that would still be enough. <laughs> if I had a heavy load and took on a lighter load, thank you, Jesus, for the lighter load, right? But, that, but it's more than that. So the meaning of this word light is a very broad word that inc also includes good and helpful and kind and profitable. Now this word's like, What? One commentator said the burden Jesus gives us gets better with age. And it's actually the word light is the same word used in the Bible 
to describe good wine. The kind of wine that Jesus served at the wedding banquet in John chapter four, when he took the water that was in the ceremonial cleansing jars and turned it into the best wine. It was light. So Jesus is telling us that burden you are carrying, it's only going to get worse with time. And the longer you try and carry it by yourself, the heavier and heavier it gets. But my burden is good and helpful and kind and profitable. My burden gets better with age. And the longer you carry my burden, the longer you walk with me, the longer you surrender to my ways, the better my burden becomes. That's worth getting into. So come to me, he said. Because of that, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest for your souls. For my yoke's easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light and good and kind and profitable and gets better with age. This is actually a part of the prophecy of Christmas. Did you know that? This is why, one of the reasons why Jesus came. In Luke chapter one, verses 78 and 79, the father of John the Baptist, Zechariah, was giving a prophecy about the coming of Jesus, the Messiah. And notice what he says about why Jesus was coming. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven's about to break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. I don't think it's a stretch for me to add for our stake and those carrying heavy burdens, and to guide us to the path of what? Peace, rest. While everything on the outside might be chaos, on the inside, rest. We had a volunteer here at Element Church who wrote a song for us. The song's called Come to Me. It's based on these verses of Jesus. It's an amazing song. Moves me every time I hear it. Here in a moment, we're gonna show you a video. We've showed it before, but I wanted to give context to the song for those who might be new. I'm gonna show a video of our volunteer, Corey, sharing kind of the birthplace of this song, where it came from. And then after that, the band's gonna, gonna um, lead us in that song. And I just wanna let you know, I, I would imagine there's a lot of us in the room that Weary, tired, worn out, overwhelmed, describes our life. It's a tired I can't just sleep away. And as the band sings the song, I just wanna give you permission to receive it however you need. If you need to kneel, then kneel. If you need to sit and soak it in, then sit. If you need to stand and lift your hands in worship, then do that. But however you wanna receive the, the words of this song, would encourage you to do that. And then um, I'll come back out to the song and. And I just want to pray over us before, before we go. So I want you to check out this video and then receive the song. <laughs> 